immorality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But it's so easy to conform to what the world does. God says, you're his children. You're to stand out and be different. And being different doesn't mean that we don't have fun. It just means we have a different kind of fun, right? Um, and, and so living a life for Christ is standing opposed to that which is evil and wrong. See, what I want to get to tonight is you can, you can do things right physically, but be wrong in your mind. And tonight we've got to get to what we're trying to get to in this whole lesson is we've got to make sure those things that we're doing physically line up with those things that are going on up here, right? So we have to think right in order to act right, truly, in the sight of God. Look at Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and verse 2. To think right, to think like God, to be like God. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I mean, when I grew up, I remember, you know, people thought that was a wrong, that's the wrong kind of thinking. You don't want to think like God or be like God. You, you want to think like your environment, right? Think like the world in which you live in. But Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you or I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, to, to prove that will of God, to, to show the world something different. And here's something that's important that it, it takes a while, it took me a while to understand this. When I came to Christ, it took me a while to understand that as a Christian, I have something to offer the world, and the world has nothing nothing to offer me. It took me a while to get that. It took me a while for that to compute in my head, because I've grown up in the world for so long that being in the world, you think the world is, is everything, because it is everything to you. When you come to Christ, you realize the world has nothing to offer us. Nothing that's good there is. Let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1. Nothing that's, that's good. That is, just nothing, there's just nothing out there in the world for us outside of Christ. So the text tells us in verse, in verse 5, it talks about, about how we, we should grow and how we need to grow. And I, I, you know, this passage is the how-to of Christianity. You know, it's the, when you, when you study these out, you, you gain an amazing amount of knowledge of, uh, what God expects of us, and you also gain an amazing amount of knowledge of how to practice Christianity. See, you don't just grow. Someone says, well, I'm just gonna grow in Christ. But how do you grow? 
You have to do something to grow. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, today I'm stronger in my faith than I was yesterday. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you have to grow. So here is a great uh, marker, if you will, and a great um, study for people who want to grow. You want to grow? Learn these and memorize them. Memorize these seven steps. So now applying, verse verse 5, all diligence for this reason. Also applying all diligence in your faith. Supply moral excellence, morality. Live a good moral life. Not moral according to the standards of the world. But if we're going to live right, if we're going to think right, we have to live morally right. You don't do what the world is doing. We live differently. We, we do our very best to, to live a life that uh, is impressive to God, that blesses God and also blesses self as well as our fellow man. So in our moral excellence, you add something. God doesn't say go to college. I'm not saying not to go to college, but God says knowledge. You have to have knowledge. He's talking about biblical, spiritual knowledge. I mean, how many of us go home and have done this for years and we don't read our Bibles? Just go about our day every day and, and rarely read, pick up the Bible on Wednesday, Pick up the Bible on Sunday, but that's about it. God might get another couple of minutes through the week somewhere, but that's about it. How are you going to grow if you only read your Bible on Sunday and Wednesday? And even then, you're more so listening to what's being said than actually reading. We're reading now, but you're, you're not really reading and allowing God to talk to you. In order to be what God wants us to be, in order to have this moral Excellence, you gotta have knowledge. That knowledge will increase your faith. That faith that's increased will increase your peace of mind, the peace that Jesus speaks of in Philippians chapter 4. But without, without having the knowledge and without having that moral excellence in your life, and I think these all kind of go, if you will, um, in a way that really is easy to study. Moral excellence. Okay, I'm gonna go figure out what God expects from me from a moral perspective of life. And then, in order to figure that out, I gotta have what? Knowledge. I gotta go read, study, read and study. And then the next one, self-control. I need to have self-control added to my faith, right? Self-control. Live a God-controlled life instead of being out of control, right? I've been out of control for so long, but now I need a God-controlled life. So the, the text, I need to read this because it's on the screen here. Uh, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, apply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance. So here are these things here. God is saying moral excellence and knowledge, self-control, perseverance. You keep going. You keep going. Because sometimes when you read about morality and we, we start reading the Bible, we realize, oh boy, I'm guilty of sin. Sometimes we want to just give up. But you can't give up. Just gotta work at that, right? Just work at it. It's gonna take a lifetime, but keep working at it. And then, and then as you gain more knowledge of the scriptures, you're reading and reading and reading, and you realize there's more that, that there God has to offer me, and there's more I want to know. And then you learn self-control. You you turn your life from from being out of control to being under control, under God's control. The love of Christ controls us. And then from there, we, we move on to this perseverance. We just, we just keep going. We keep, just keep working at these things and working at it and working at it and working at it. And it's going to produce the next thing, godliness, right? 
It, it's producing something for us. I am becoming more godly because of my moral excellence and my knowledge and my self-control and my perseverance. I am becoming, actually another word, I am becoming content in my relationship in this world. You see? I become content because I'm, I'm accepting the fact that this world is truly not my home. And as long as I live for God and the more under control that I am, the more out of control I realize the world really is. And then I realize, you know, I was just running in the rat race, spinning my wheels and going nowhere. It's like I was in life. I thought I was moving ahead, but I was on a treadmill. I wasn't going anywhere, right? But in Christ, we're always moving in a positive direction when we're living for him. So we're trying to get this right, our thinker right. Uh, I don't know which verse. Uh, let's go back to verse 6. And you know that self-control and your self-control perseverance and your perseverance godliness and your godliness brotherly kindness and your brotherly kindness love. See, Brotherly kindness. Kindness. Never let kindness leave you. Think about that. Think about what that would look like. What does that look like in the midst of a hate-filled world where brothers come together? Brothers. And they say, here's how we're going to live. And they live uniquely different, even within their environment, even within their, 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 uh, their country, within their city, within their state, within their neighborhood. Brothers band together in a way different and uniquely different. From the world. And people see that. And they say, you know, those guys right there, those ladies right there, that family, they are so close. They really, really love each other. That's what fascinated the Romans. You know, the Romans thought and, and the, the rest of the world that these guys said something wrong with these people. They love each other too much. But that's the love that God asks of us. See? And that's what we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so it's it's not just a quality that's there, but it's a growing quality. You're growing in moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. You're growing in those those characteristics of Christ or Christianity. And if you're growing in these things, if these are yours, if they're increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. And the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unfruitful. Jesus talked about that tree that bears bad fruit. Cut it down. But the tree that bears good fruit. That's what we're supposed to be. We're that fruitful tree that is bearing good fruit. We're the light in the midst of what? Darkness. Right? We're the salt in in a bland world. We are the... We're the it. We are everything, Christians. We are everything. And see, until you realize that, we walk around, uh, you know, the world as if we belong. But when you're a Christian, you walk around the world as if you don't belong. And you, you stand, if you will, not you don't stand aloof, but you look different. You walk circumspectly. You know, you're a child of the king. Right? You, you know, when you, when you walk around, people need to realize, you know, that guy has it together. Well, how do you, how do you know he has it? There's something about the way he walks. He's got it together. His mind is clear. How in the world, the question that comes up sometimes, how in the world do you live at peace in the midst of a chaotic world? Well, didn't God say it? Philippians 4 verse 7. 
You know, a peace that surpasses all comprehension. Can't even explain it. It's just God, right? And that's always the answer. Well, it's just God. Always the answer. God is always the answer. So, so here's this unique relationship that we have with Christ. Um, verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who, listen to this one, he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten something. Where do you forget? Having forgotten his purification of his form, his baptism. He forgot that he entered into a covenant relationship with God. And that's the reason why he's blind and short-sighted. He's, he's lacking these qualities because he's living his life as if, as if God doesn't even exist. Remember that sermon, Christian Atheist? He's living like a Christian atheist. As if he wasn't, as if he didn't even know who God was. Or maybe an agnostic at that point. Verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for, I just love this verse, for as long as you practice these things, you will what? Never stumble. Okay, so then you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, preacher. We're, we're going to stumble. Well, I know that. But here's the, the beautiful part of this is, okay, now go back and ask yourself, in which aspect, which characteristic am I missing? Which, where's my character flaw? Is it, is it moral excellence? Is it knowledge? Is it self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, or Christian love? Somewhere in the, one of these seven is what I'm missing. Which one is it? Right? And then you go a little deeper in your in your personal study. You go, okay, uh, I figured out what it is. Now I know. Now, what sin has caught you? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the boast of pride of life? Because it can only be one of those three. See, it's all narrow. God narrows everything down. And we can narrow it down even more. The Bible narrows it down so you can be your own counselor, which is beautiful, right? God makes things right. And he has the ability to make it right. His word makes it right for us. So as we're trying striving to live for Jesus. No, wait, I never said it was easy because the Bible never says it's easy. But as we're striving to live for Jesus, if we allow God to speak to us through his word, God will make it easier for us. He will give us conviction, right? And true conversion of mind. So we're talking about the mind, right? Trying to transform the mind. Verse 11, I just love verse 11 for, in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom. This is beautiful. This is God saying, if you work on these seven things every day, every day, if you work on these seven things, heaven is assuredly yours by God's grace. Right? It's assuredly because you're walking on the straight and narrow. Verse 11, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So now, we're talking about life enrichment, right? What, what? What, you, how in the world, how else can you encourage someone by, unless you say to them, you, you know, you, here, if you're doing these things right here, you are walking to heaven. That'll make you excited, right? Thank you, God, I'm walking to heaven. Yeah, look, here it is. You're, you know, you're living a good moral life and you're, you know, these are the things you're striving after and you're growing in these areas. This is beautiful. This is walking to heaven. See how exciting it is? It's beautiful to be a Christian because you have direction. And you have purpose. And when you have purpose and when you have direction, it's an amazing thing. There's a lack of confusion. There's a lack of confusion when you're doing something that you love and you're, and you're training for something that, that is important to you. It gives you purpose throughout your day and motivation to complete your day. Right? 
you have this purpose. You have this direction. And so you're moving in a way that brings glory and honor to God. So now we're talking about purity. That's the first, the next part of Philippians 4 and verse 8. To live a pure life. Pure life. Well, let's, let's, let's think about that for just, uh, for just a moment. It's, it's that which is not defiled. It's, it's that which is not contaminated. Uh, it's it's morally right. It's inwardly right. So so purity is both external and internal. It's that which is holy. It's it's moral. It's clean. Um, it's undefiled. And again, it has this this purpose. It's it's holy living, right? Living a sanctified life. Sanctified, right? To be uh, to be set apart. From the world. What a, what a great thing. Or is it a great thing? <laughs> See, when you grow in your faith and you have this purpose and this true intent of going to heaven, it's a beautiful thing because it's, it's what we like. We like pure things. We just don't like to become pure ourselves sometimes because it means I have to give up me, it's parts of me. To be what God wants me to be. Which is better. But some of us used to say, I'll wait till I get old. <laughs> and then I'll start. <laughs> no. No. First John chapter chapter three. So so pure, when I think of when I think of purity, uh, as Philippians four uh, eight uh, speaks to us, I I think of um, more of Jesus. You know, more of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus in my life, more, more of Jesus. I want more of Jesus. I want to be like, I don't want necessarily just the knowledge. Knowledge is, knowledge is sometimes difficult, isn't it? Actually, it almost always is because the more knowledge you gain, the greater the burden, (laughs) which is interesting. It's kind of an interesting twist there. Especially when it comes to the Word of God. The more knowledge you gain, the greater the burden. Because then you learn something. Like Paul said, I would not have known coveting had the law not said, thou shalt not covet. And then when I understood that, I realized I was a coveter. And he says, oh, right? He wrestled with that. So there's a greater burden. But what a beautiful burden it is to gain more knowledge about God. So... Purity. Let's think about purity for just just a moment here. Beginning at verse one, First uh, John chapter three. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Don't you love that? Think about that. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. In other words, the world doesn't understand us. Like, why are you guys living that way? Why are you doing that? Because you don't know God. If you knew God, you would live this way too. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is 
Every time I read that verse 2 and I, and I read it, I go, you'll, you'll see him just as he is. And I'm going, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, so you, you know, it, it, is God, I mean, is God really big? <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what does it mean? I'm going to see God just as, as he is. Oh, I better be ready for that one. <laughs> right? And so there's this hope fixed. You see that hope? This hope is fixed on Jesus. This hope is fixed on purification. This hope is fixed on on God. There's a reason. The hope that lies within is my reason. So we're living in a world full of hopelessness. And so when we show up, remember I said earlier, we walk, we walk uniquely, we walk differently, peculiar. We walk with, as people with hope in the midst of a hopeless world. You see? See how we shine differently? We shine differently. People say, well, that guy's got to be a Christian because, you know, that lady has to be a Christian because, <laughs> right? That's what they're supposed to say about us. But if we walk as the world walks, maybe we don't quite know Jesus. And we don't quite know him. It's kind of like, do you know him or do you know him? They're two, same word, but definitely very different, aren't they? To know God, to know God, right? I'm not talking about no, N-O, I'm about K-N-O-W. To know K-N-O-W and to know K-N-O-W. To know God, do you know, do we know, actually know God? And so it brings in this hope and this feeling of accomplishment through Jesus and his blood. Purity. Now, purity, especially in the scriptures, um, it, it carries with the idea of moral um, living, if you will, staying away from immorality, sexual sin, sexual purity, uh, the the heart and the mind. But one can live physically pure, in other words, accomplishing those things, not living an immoral life in the sense of, of living in, in, in sexual sin. But up here, be impure. Think about that. Right? It's interesting. We could be impure up here, and, but yet act out purity in our lives. And so often that happens in, in Christ. What, what God wants is God wants a holistic relationship. He wants us to be pure physically as well as emotionally, spiritually, right? Inside of the mind. I want to go to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, I can act pure you know, not committing adultery and, and, and those kinds of things and fornication while still being impure with my mind, with my heart. Because my heart can be filled with lust, can't it? Right? I may not act upon it physically, but my heart can be filled with lust. My heart can be filled with all manner of evil and be impure. And God says, I want you, Philippians 4 verse 8, to be pure. Right? To be pure. So, so there's this check in my mind that says, okay, God, uh, in regards to, uh, these, these seven steps, um, where am I in my relationship with you? We go down the list. What about purity? So listen to the heart for just a moment. Uh, beginning at verse, um, eight. I'm gonna go to 15. After Peter, uh, answered and said to him, we'll pick up verse 18 in a moment. Explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that every, uh, everything that goes into the mouth 
passes into the stomach and is eliminated. So God is saying, look, this is not an argument about what you eat, right? I mean, they were arguing about, you know, eating unclean foods. And Jesus is saying, really? That's, you know, it's going to come, it's going to go in and it's going to come out, right? I want to talk about a thing that goes in that doesn't necessarily come out. But when it does come out, oftentimes it comes out in an ungodly way. But it still remains within. And that's what Jesus talks about in verse 18. It's the opposite of purity. So here's what we find in verse 18. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. Now, uh, uh, let me remember. Uh, oh boy, who was this poet said? Um, I remember it in a moment. She said, if a person show, shows you who they are, believe them. Right? And uh, that's that's exactly it. I believe it. Right? I think that was Maya Angelou. It, Maya Angelou. So here Jesus is saying, this is what she's basically saying, what Jesus said. Look, what's in the heart is going to come out of the mouth. And you go, uh, well, believe that. Say, okay, now I've learned something. Put it in your pocket. Now you've, you've gained a bit of knowledge. Knowledge is sometimes painful to know what's on a person's heart, especially when it's someone that you think you thought loved you. Right? So, verse 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. This is why Jesus says every careless work. Be careful what you say in an argument with your wife, with your husband. Be careful what you say in your household to your children, to to your brothers, to your sisters, to your friends. Be, be careful what your your heart will expose you. Is is our, is my heart pure? Am I focusing on purity? Those things that are inside of here that I know exist and God knows exist, but I don't want anyone else to know about it. Well, am I working on those things and trying to become better? than I have been in the past. Purity. Am I striving to live pure so that I can think pure thoughts? It's hard to think pure thoughts if I'm living an impure life. Right? We're trying to, what are we trying to reach? What's the goal? The goal in this life enrichment class is peace of mind. Right? The peace that surpasses all comprehension. How are you going to get there? Well, there's a, there's a road that we have to travel down to get to this place. And for every one of us, it's different. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we'll begin reading at, at verse 3. When I think of Ephesians 5, I think of fighting the urge. Fighting the urge to. So you can think of it any way you like. But I think of, I think of the idea. We're going to read verses 3 through 10. And, and just humor me for just a moment. Um, and think about the idea of fighting the urge to. And then we'll have this list of things that I'm fighting the urge to. Things I want to stay away from. Ephesians 5, beginning of verse 3. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must not be filthiness or silly talk and coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. 
Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is, uh, excuse me, consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So here's, here's the opposite of fighting the urge too. It's if I spend my day fighting the urge to know what God wants for me, that's a, that's a beautiful day. You know, just to learn, Lord, uh, what do you have in store for me today? What would you like from me today? What do you want me to do for you today? Dear God, you know, and you, and you want to know, what do you want me to do for you today, God? And you begin your day thinking about God. And, and somewhere, uh, during your day, you begin to talk about those things that you think God wants of you today. And then the middle of your day, you start going, you know, I don't know if that's what God wanted. You know, so then you got to get back into this idea of trying to figure out what God wants from you. Brethren, it's important that we read because the more you read, the more you'll have to think about, spiritually speaking. The more you'll be able to meditate on the Word of God if you have it sown in your heart. If it's not sown in the heart, then you don't have anything to meditate on, right? And that's where that scripture we read earlier, um, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 comes in again to transform your mind. Right? And, you know, as he's beseeching them and saying, hey, don't, don't be like you used to be, but rather transform your mind. Don't be like the world. Rather, transform, change your mind. And notice that Romans 12 does not choose certain individuals. It tells all of us to transform our minds. That's the beauty in Christ. I just love it in Christ. It doesn't matter how, how, how great you are, how smart you are, how poor you are. It doesn't matter what, what your walk of life is. The Bible fits every one of us, right? Equally. Equally. And so the beauty in our service to Christ is to surrender our will to the will of God. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove, you know, that perfect and wonderful will of God. That's the idea in our service, in our relationship to the Lord. But how can I know? How can I know what God wants from me? Right, let's go back to Psalm 119 uh, for just a moment. And let's let's look at uh, some, one of the, I think, favorite passages there, beginning at verse, verse 9. Because it, it begins with a question regarding purity. A very sincere question. And it is, how can a man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. So think about the compiling of knowledge, the knowledge of God, God's word, into the heart, adding more and more. Can you ever know? Will you ever know enough? No. Can we ever know enough? No. So we just keep piling more and more and more and more. And in your faith, you know, there's always that aha moment in your life, right? Where you look at the scriptures, you read a thousand times, and you read this verse, and you read this verse, and you read this verse, and then one day something pops out and you go, oh, that, that. And it makes sense, right? When God says you're ready, but you have to keep growing for God to let you get there, right? You have to keep growing in Christ. And what a, what a beautiful journey it is in Christ. Growing in Christ is, is an amazing 
journey. You know, um, we we like you know attaboys or pads on the back, and when when you do something that, that's right and you're you're doing what God wants, you do feel good about your life. You feel you you feel um, the opposite of being empty. You have dignity. You feel there's so many people I, you know, that I talk to, and I know you do too. They're just they're empty, not because they want to be. Because they don't have it, they're grabbing at, at water. They don't have anything to grab. They have no, no consistency in their life. They have no, no substance in their lives because they don't have God. And, and so they don't really know why they're even here. They question their own existence. You know, why am I even here? Why did God make me? Or, you know, as if God made a mistake. God didn't make a mistake. You're here for a reason. But it, it's, it's up to us to seek out that reason, that purpose in Christ, right? So we have a job uh, to do, and, and the job is a beautiful, beautiful thing that really gives you uh, strength and, and power and uh, makes you feel good about yourself and about your day. Serving Christ. Look at James, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And, and let's talk about the, the two wisdoms uh, that James brings out. And there's the wisdom of the world, and there's the wisdom of of Christ and the wisdom of the world obviously does not, you know, it cannot stand. I'm going to read verse 13 and following. Who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show by his good behavior uh, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant so as to lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. So that's verse 13 through 16. Yeah, exactly. Demonic wisdom exists on the earth. We see it every day, don't we? We see, we see it every single day. But being the light of Jesus, verse 17, this wisdom that is from above, the wisdom above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Look at this. Look at this beautiful Christian man and woman. This person who has this this wisdom that as it flows from their mouth, People can't wait to hear more. Right? You start talking about Jesus. You, you don't have to say, well, you know, the Bible says. You can just start talking about Jesus. And you start telling people about Jesus, and they want to hear more. You start telling people about things in the Bible, and they want to hear more. Where would you get that from? That's really, that's a great poem. Is that, is that you know, Socrates? Or, you know, they always have this, you know, great, what? what? That's, from, that's from the Bible. Oh. That's why I love Proverbs. I love reading the book of Proverbs. It gives you amazing insight on different things in life. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And then it has this seed that's sown in peace. It's a peaceful thing. Purity and peace. This is, this is what the world, would you say, this is what the world needs to see every day? course, right? And, and so as we walk for Jesus, and we exemplify extreme kindness and gentleness and peace and 
patience and the blessings that we can bring to others and morality and all the life's life benefits, if you will, in Christ. We, we impact the world in an amazing, amazing way. Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. You might even ask yourself, you know, when you, how do you want to be remembered in this life? You know, as a, as a tyrant or, or as a, a godly person with great insight who really encourage people. You know, how do you want to be remembered in life? And it's not really, it's not about, it's not about that. But, but it is about leaving behind, uh, a life that you can say what Paul said, um, I am guilty of no man's blood. No man's blood is on my shoulders. I am standing before Jesus with, with me and me alone. I'm not carrying, I'm not carrying the blood of other people with me that I have sent to uh, destruction, eternal destruction, because of the way I lived my life and the things that I did, because I was a hypocrite. And so people refused to come to this congregation or in my pre- become in my presence because of who I am. How, how do you want to go down in your life? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Right? In Christ, we want to be the people that are leading other people to Christ, to salvation, to Jesus, giving them hope giving them assurance, and in their times of being, feeling destitute, and in their struggles in life, being the kind of person that's been there for them, so that you can say to them words that come from Jesus that comforts their soul, right? To be a comforter, to comfort their soul, to be like the Holy Spirit, to be a comforter, comfort their soul. To strengthen them when they're down. To strengthen them. Every opportunity that we have, we should use it to try to instill hope in the heart of someone else. The world is hopeless. You know, you'll see them light up. They go, you know, some of them will go, ooh, and they'll like it. And then they'll say, ooh, that's too much for me. And they'll walk away, right? Maybe they think we're crazy. I don't know. But to instill hopeless, uh, hope in their life, to remove them from the mindset of a hopeless world. Like, you know, why am I even here? Who cares? You ever, you know, I used to talk to uh, people that are uh, our religious friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and they'd come and they'd say, you know, some folks are automatically going to heaven and some folks are automatically going to hell. And I'd say, okay, which one am I? They'd say, well, you know, let's talk about it. i say, because look, if I'm automatically going to go to hell, I'm going to go and just live this life up, right? There's no reason for you to talk to me about God right now because I'm going to hell anyway no matter what I do if I live my life for Jesus I'm going to hell if I live my life for for Satan I'm going to hell what difference does it make why are you even at my door instilling hopelessness in my heart or am I going to heaven now if I'm going to heaven come on in I want to talk to you more but wait a minute at the same time I'm automatically going to heaven so why would you even talk to me about Jesus I'm going to heaven anyway right just trying to show them your religion is totally mixed up right our responsibility is not to give false hope our responsibility is to give true hope about Jesus to a lost and dying world. So Psalm 19, verse 8 and verse 9. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. Right back to thinking about Jesus. Right? Purity. Jesus. The Word of God gives us a clear, and you might even say a clearer 
perspective of life. The words of Jesus put us where we're supposed to be. Purity brings wisdom and it alters our character. So tonight, how pure, how pure is, is my heart? How pure? And, and you, you might answer the question and say, well, I'm working on that. And then praise God for that. Keep working. Every one of us should be working on it every day. But keep working toward purity. Because that's what God wants from us. We're talking about peace, right? Life enrichment. How do we gain the peace that surpasses all comprehension? Philippians 4 and verse 7. Next week, we're going to talk about lovely. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I was going through the, the, the thought of lovely, and I struggle with that one. I struggle with lovely. Whatever's lovely. I like flowers. I, you know, I struggle with lovely. So I want you to think about lovely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shortchange you. I'm telling you right now, I've, I I don't I don't have as much, and I wish I had more, but I do have a little. I have some. But what about you? I want you to think about that, and you can help next week by studying it and figuring out what you think of from Philippians four verse eight. Whatever is lovely, and you let me know. Thank you for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, every every bit of your time in studying God's word tonight and taking the time out of your schedule to be here. And I hope that something was said to strengthen you and encourage your your faith to uh, continue to fight the good fight of faith and uh, to not give up, not to get, not ever give in. So we're thankful again to all you who are here, uh, both physically and uh, those who are online. If you are struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made in your behalf, uh, those of you who are here, there'll be a Devo in a moment, and you can make that known. We can pray with you, pray for you. Uh, if you just would like prayers made in, in your behalf, you can Send that request to the office and the elders. Uh, the information is on the back. Talk to someone. Just just don't stay in the state of depression. Talk about it. Talk about it to someone. Thank you for your time. God bless each and every one of you.